Oh, I'm looking. Do I dump it? Do I throw the drift? Nothing. Three, two, one. Let's go. Work, 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 work. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Martinez. I know the last episode I was in uh, Belgium. I'm now in Germany uh, with my first ever uh, professional client that gave me a chance back in 2014, Courtney Belger. Uh, Courtney is from the St. Louis area, went on then after that to play Division II basketball, and now he's in his seventh year professionally, all in the country of Germany. I'm going to let Courtney uh, get on here and first talk about uh, kind of his journey. And, you know, Ray Sean was on the previous episode, and I'll have a, another guy after Courtney because uh, I'm actually flying to Budapest, Hungary today to get on and talk about his journey as well. And I just want you guys to understand that everybody has their different journey, especially uh, professionally and even more so when you're an overseas player because there are players that play for the same organization, but a lot of times you're bouncing around from organization, country to country. So the journey can be almost as if you're a coach in the States where they're journeymen, you know, how many times you heard of a coach that's a junior college coach and then an NAI, then a D2, then a division one, and then back to D2 is ahead and he just on for. So, but Courtney, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, pretty much like you said, I just want to talk about like my journey and kind of how we got started, things like that. Uh, for me, I pretty much feel like I had to take the like backdoor route as far as getting into overseas basketball and working my way up. Uh, when I graduated, or right before I graduated, I pretty much thought like, okay, my senior year in college, I'll have a good year, agents will call me, I'll go overseas like everybody else does it. It really didn't happen like that. I basically, um, like you said, I went to Quincy, it was a D2, and I really didn't play as good as I thought I would play or was playing actually, maybe average like 11 and a half or something like that, or 12 points. And uh, I don't know, four assists, like some not really, not nothing really crazy. So nobody really calling your uh, phone or like beating down your door for those numbers in uh, Division Two. We didn't even make the tournament that year. And I remember like when my, uh, now my wife, Ali Schwagmar, she graduated, like all the agents and everything was calling her phone and she got like player of the year. So I was thinking like, okay, like I knew what it was supposed to look like basically because like I seen it firsthand. So like she goes overseas and I'm thinking I'll go overseas and I'm like working out, staying ready, like three a days, all that kind of stuff. And uh, nobody calls me. So we get to the end of the summer and I have like one offer. So I got a job interview on Monday and I think I'm supposed to sign the contract Sunday or maybe like Tuesday, I think. So my mom says like, go to the interview on Monday because you don't know what's gonna happen Tuesday. So I go to the interview Monday it was at Cricket uh, Wireless selling phones. I actually get the job. On Tuesday, uh, I don't get a call from the coach. Wednesday, no call. So I call him Thursday, and he's like, actually, you know what happened? We gave uh, another guy a contract. His visa didn't work at first, so we talked to you. Now his visa's working, and basically we're going to sign him. That was our first choice. So I guess in hindsight perspective, my mind was right because I just knew I was going like to uh, London. It was the London Lions. And um, I just pretty much that whole year, I worked a, a job at Cricket from, I don't know, let's say 10 to 7 pretty much every day. And then uh, I would work out in the morning before that, probably at like 5 in the morning, go to work, 
get off work, I would go straight to another gym and work with one of my friends, uh, Daniel Ortiz. He was just, he was a ball player with me, but then he stopped playing ball and he just started training me for that period of time. And then um, basically we would hoop after that and I would just go home and do everything again the next day. And that was like kind of my schedule for like the whole uh, year. So I thought it was kind of embarrassing because uh, after the morning workouts, sometimes I would train with like uh, Brandon Gilmore and he had like all like NBA guys in there. So I'm coming to uh, the workouts, same workouts as them. We're all working hard. They getting in their nice cars, going uh, home after the workout, maybe relaxing a little bit, ready for another workout later. And I'm putting like khakis on and a polo. And uh, like, I'm going to work and like everybody like, all right, see you later. I'm like, this, that was just real uh, like humbling. But at the same time, they worked hard for, to get where they were. So it was uh, like, I had to show respect and pretty much uh, humility in that aspect. But um, so I worked that whole year basically. And finally the next year came, it was time for me to go to Mexico. And I had went to a showcase, played really well. Went to Mexico, but I was on like a tryout uh, contract. I want to say for like the first week, it was the tryouts. So uh, they had, I think, three coaching changes in one week. And two of the coaches uh, wanted me, basically. They were like, yeah, we're going to pick you up on our team. But the team wouldn't pay uh, the two coaches. So they both left. And we got the third coach. And when we got to the last day of the week, we uh, kept stats. I had pretty good stats. Um and actually took the second team, and we almost beat the first team. I wanna say it came to a point where it was like, all right, last point win, and uh, I think they got the last point, but their point guard had played in the G League, and uh, he was a national player and everything, and they signed me to be a shooting guard. When I was playing the shooting guard, we were losing. So I took over the point guard, and we came back, but then the point guard kind of felt threatened, so he was like, coach, we I don't think we need him. We need a taller player. and. Uh, after they had pretty much took my registration, was putting my pictures on the team website and all that, the very next day it was pretty much like, yeah, actually we need taller players. Um, sorry, we don't need you. And he gave me $100 to get home from Mexico and kick me out of the apartment. So I was, or out of the hotel at that point. So I basically was kind of like stuck on the stairs with nowhere to go. And one of the coaches he missed his flight because he had went out the night before. So he's <laughs> he's just still like uh, coming back and he sees me on the stairs. He's like, what's going on? So I told him the situation and he was like really confused. So then he let me stay in his uh, room for the night and uh, basically took me to the airport and he was telling me to go with him and train with him in, uh, I think, Arizona. And I told him like, no, I'm gonna go see my girl in Germany. like. I'm gonna just go there, pretty much try to practice with teams and get on. And he didn't agree, but I went anyway. So then I went out there to uh, see Ali. And basically, I didn't really find a team like the whole time. I probably was there like three weeks, didn't find nothing. Practiced with one team, thought I played real good. Uh, the coach told his players I wanted too much money. That's why they can't get me. I was ready to play for anything. So maybe he just didn't want me. And basically, uh, I missed my flight, and when I missed my flight on the last day, I had like two more weeks to stay. And in those two weeks, that's when uh, I found another coach in the gym. I was just messing around, and he said, you look like you can play, so you should come practice with my team. And I was practicing with him, and I was just like killing, basically playing hard as I could, doing everything. And one time the coach told me, like, I want you to uh, play like a point guard from the other team. 
So like pass the whole time. So I'm just passing, setting people up, uh, things like that. And then they end up firing that coach. And when they bring the new coach back for the next year, they're talking to me. And he's like, yeah, but you're just an eagle player. Which means basically like you score uh, first. Like all you want to do is score, things like that. Which is funny because in college, like I never score. So I'm like, okay, that's a compliment, I guess. And um, all the other players are like, no, the whole time he just passed. Like he just set us up and got us layups and shots. So like I think he's a pass first point guard. So the coach was like, oh, I didn't know that. So basically that's how I got signed because the prior coach had basically told me to come to practice and pass everything. If I would have just kind of like played my normal game, he probably wouldn't even have signed me. And uh, that was my first deal. Basically I made about eight or 900. Um, I had a van, I think from my car, <laughs> cause I couldn't drive like a manual car. So I had a van. And then uh, I was the only professional player on the team. And I would, uh, I had a key to the gym. I told him I'm not coming unless I get a key to the gym. And I would work out at like two, three in the morning, stuff like that, or like five in the morning. Cause you only have about three practices. Actually it was two practices my first year, two practices a week. And then you play in the game. And it doesn't really matter. Everybody thinks like they can go and do it and play, but you're the only American player on the team and professional player. So the whole defense is against you. It's five players basically against you. So like you got to play all the offense, all the defense and things like that. So even though the league sometimes looks easy, if somebody, it don't matter how good they were, played you five against one, you most likely would lose. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like the situation or whatever. Like, I mean, I had some good teammates too, of course, but they expect you to do a lot more. So that was kind of like um, my situation. I was really focused that year because everybody told me like, yeah, after you play here, you won't have a job anymore. The league's too low. Nobody will pick you up. So I just pretty much made sure that we won the league and moved up. <clears throat> and when you move up, it's a little bit more like a uh, regular basketball. Um, like you have a couple more pros maybe on the team. It's more organized, things like that. The next year I got, let's say three or 400 more euros. And um, I had a nicer car now and things like that. Like it seemed like a good situation, but for me, I wanted to keep like moving up and progressing. And uh, my goal was always to pretty much play in pro A. That was my goal. Like I knew the BBL would be a little tough, but my goal was really to play in pro A and then kind of see what happens after that. So I'm playing the next years and I've never really like shot the ball very well. Mainly just got to the basket and uh, attacked in transition. So all of the German people were telling me like, you'll never play in pro A because you can't shoot and like your pace is bad. You just pretty much, a, um, they call it like a coast to coast player or something like that. You just get the ball and you run. My coaches kind of told me to get the ball and run. So, I mean, that's what I had to do to win, but that was the situation. I got opportunity to move up to uh, Pro B after a pretty good year in uh, Ring League of One. I was, in my eyes, I was trash my first year in Pro B. Like, I don't know uh, what the numbers were, let's say 13, five and five, but I had no confidence. I'm bringing the ball up, I'm struggling because it kind of felt more like college. Like he uh, was holding me back a little bit. And I remember, uh, I'm not going to go pretty much through the whole season, but we made it through the playoffs and lost in the first round. So the coach basically told me, like, we want you back. <clears throat> Gave me a deadline, but didn't give me the raise that he said he would give me the raise. Like the raise he said he would give me. So I um I left. Or I told him, like, 
I, I don't know. I can't decide yet. So, like, I would say two weeks before my deadline was up, he told me that they signed another point guard. I don't have the job anymore. So, obviously, like, I'm mad. So, I'm working out. I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm going to kill him and all this and that. Like, I'm going to go crazy. I go back to Pro B for – first off, I took a pay cut to go to Pro B just to move up. I go to another team, and basically I'm still making less money than I did when I was in Regan League of One. But I'm, like, just really looking for opportunities. So I go there, the coach, he telling me, like, I'm going to be a passer and all this and that. I'm scoring the first, like, couple games, and he see, like, I could score. So he, like, I didn't bring you here to pass. I brought you here to score. Like, my coach was crazy. He, like, score. In the game, I'm bringing the ball up the court. He just yelling, like, score now. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, coach, like, you can't just do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody focused, but – that really helped my game a lot because it pushed me. It challenged me to really just do more. Don't hold yourself back type of thing. And uh, the situations were getting, like, a lot better as I moved up. I'm around more, like, professional players. And uh, just you could play a little bit more basketball. I was around uh, Patrick Carney. He's a veteran that's been in the game for a long time. He just retired pretty much at, I think, like, 32 or 33. But – I really learned a lot from him just because uh, he took the game serious. He, um, like, always watched a lot of film, which I did anyway, but he worked hard. He was lifting weights, running, make sure he took care of his body. He was a vegetarian at the time, so he never really ate, like, trash food or something like that. And uh, it was just good to be on the team with him because he has such a high basketball IQ. He's from a small school as well, so when you come from a small school and you see somebody playing overseas – Normally, it's two things. Either they just score the ball so crazy at such a high level that somebody wanted to give them a chance, or they know basketball. And Pat really knew basketball, basically. So we're um, we're in Pro B pretty much my first year, and I think I had a car, but I technically probably couldn't drive. But, I mean, I wanted to go to the gym, so I'm driving anyway. And uh, – they kind of got mad, I believe. My team got upset. So the next year, they were like, you can't drive at all. Like, no chance. Don't try it. But we get uh, another guard that's a German player. His name's uh, Leon. And he pretty much just wanted to work. He saw that I like working out, and he was ambitious. And uh, we spent pretty much all the time in the gym every day, all night, and things like that. And it's like it was a difference from Regan League to Pro B just because you actually have people that go to the gym with you late at night or want to work out or lift weights and things like that. It's not just you by yourself. And I think I did probably, what, three years in Pro B in, like, the same league, which was tough because my plan was to do – I made a plan for myself. It was two years in Pro B, and then I go to Pro A. So my third year, I was thinking, like, I'm not playing if I got to play Pro B. I'm just – no, I'm not playing. I'm going to sit out and wait. I had a good year. I'm not doing this again. So I made a decision to come back the third year. <clears throat> and um, in that third year, that's when we actually, uh, like, moved up to Pro A. So it was, I guess it was a good decision to come back. So when I came back to Pro A, I mean, we moved up and went to Pro A. I was thinking, like, okay, I made it now. Like, I want a crazy contract, all that kind of stuff. That don't really happen. I I get an okay deal, nothing too crazy, and um, I go back. I want to stay with the same team because he pretty much the last three years allowed me to really score and get crazy, you know what I mean? Like, he let me go off. I found my confidence in that time. So I come back, and I'm, like, on a big stage. I know I could do the same thing, get the same type of numbers and all that. 
So we uh start the year out like I'm killing. I'm one of the top players and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm really working. I get kind of frustrated with myself because I would say around uh, the halfway mark, I got lazy for like the first time in my life. I was like, it's easy. The league is easy. I don't have to work out as hard. I don't have to like take care of my body as much. Like I could just do what I want and I'm still going to kill. My body breaks down. I'm playing like the most minutes in the league and my body breaks down. Knees go out, Achilles go out, my arm went out. Like, I mean, everything you can name, pretty much neck pain, like everything went out. I'm so slow. I've never been that slow in my life. I'm so slow. I can't get by anybody, can't make a shot, can't do anything. But my coach been rolling with me for the past four years. So he, it's like, so in my eyes, he can't take me out. He can't like just sit me on the bench, but he probably really should have benched me because I couldn't move. So I'm working hard to try to get it back. I'm lifting weights on my off days. Like, even if we get back at, let's say, 3 in the morning, I'm working out at, like, 9 in the morning with another coach. Like, I'm just trying to force it at this point. And um, basically, like, towards the end of the year, I started to come back a little bit, but it never really was the same after the halfway mark. I had caught, like, an injury before the season, played through it, and by the end of the year, I'm basically, like, limping on the court. So... Over the whole summer, like, I'm just kind of going and, um, like, relaxing pretty much. I took about 30 days off at least, and I started my workouts just, like, slowly, just trying to really get back. So when I get back, it's like I didn't play 5-on-5 five five the whole summer, like, maybe, like, two times, three times. But, like, as a pro, everybody think, like, oh, you got to be in the gym, you got to be working, you got to do stuff like that. But that's not always the case. You got to be strategic. You got to plan out your next moves. I knew I wanted to make it to wherever I played this year healthy. So, like, I didn't really get healthy. I would say in my eyes, 100% healthy where I could work until August 4th, August 5th, probably. The season uh, where I'm at right now, they started August 1st. I wasn't even on the team. I was, like, with my girl pretty much chilling, waiting to see what's next. And um, I had turned down a deal to come here. And then basically they sent somebody home. I was still just chilling. They asked me, do I want to come back and play? So I came back, uh, I would say August 25th, so like later in the month. And I was ready, like I was hungry. We jumped right into it. You know, the coach knew what he was getting. And I knew pretty much if the opportunity came back around that it was time for me to like go back and play another year at Schalke. Like that's kind of just how my life really goes. Like you got to be humble. You got to be have like humility, things like that. I wanted to go first league, BBL, another country, Euro Cup, Champions League, anything. I wanted to do all that. I feel like my numbers was good enough to do that last year, and nobody really wanted me, you know. So now pretty much I feel like they got to feel me this year, basically. And we kind of just need to step it up and move forward because I feel like it's going to be my last year in Pro A, basically. No, it's – uh, <laughs> I was as you were talking there, just it's hilarious to me. I got – from cricket to the pros you know you worked at cricket for a year and he's not lying either because uh courtney actually met me when i was playing in college i was playing in the uh, show me games uh up at mizzou and he saw i was playing and that's how we ended up connecting and then he said you should come work out with me and i came and worked out with ortiz a couple times mm -hmm. too and he's in there doing some wild stuff bro i'm talking some just you know i think that uh Younger players now that have been working with a skills trainer, or mm -hmm. this, that, the other, don't. They have a lot of purpose to their workout or should have a lot of purpose. Hopefully I'm given purpose. Um, 
I look back and be like, man, I was doing a lot of stuff that was not purposeful, but it was more just being mentally tough and just like working really hard, which Mm -hmm. working hard obviously is a uh, important thing. And some background too, that he's been at here at Schalke, which is a pristine uh, soccer program. uh, One of the best in Europe facility is ridiculous, but he has his Jersey retired here and not at the BBL level, the top league, which the second league in Germany is a top three second division uh, with France, Italy, and Germany. A lot of people don't know that, that this league is very, very respected in regards to second divisions in the league. But backtracking a little bit, BBL, people in the BBL, don't they know CB, but they don't know him like all the other leagues do because he started in the fifth division in Germany, and now he's in the second, which is unheard of. There's a lot of guys that go fifth, maybe fourth, maybe third and that's about it or they just don't want to do the like you just said driving a van not having a car making squadoosh regards to like money in that situation so every level i would say safely every level below the bbl courtney is respected by everybody all the coaches everybody regards to how he's able to build his career Um, i was talking to his coach after practice yesterday and he's just like Courtney's career is not based on his talent. He's just willing to not quit and just will his way to what he has to do now. Um, now I want to hop into Courtney's a little bit different regards to he. Let me let me how I want to say this is that he is very he's on his phone a lot, but on his phone for like purpose. So I'm gonna butcher this, but I believe I was listening to somebody else talk that. I think the average person, at least American, drives like 3,000 hours a, a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. So if you translate that into classroom time, it's actually like taking a semester of a class. Okay. So he doesn't know that. He just said, oh. But he has turned his overseas life because it's different. Like there's no classroom. It's basically wake up, eat, maybe watch some film, stretch, yoga, practice, come back, eat, and then you have practice in the evening. Mm-hmm. So you have some downtime. And Courtney has taken a significant jump in the last, I'd say, three to four years of his downtime, making it purposeful where he knows so much about the body. Um, I remember coming out here last year, and this dude was <laughs> was critiquing my push-up and my my forearm plank for like a week. I'm like, dude, like, it's not that serious. <laughs> like, But he is very like and – that's, and that's why his teammates would tell him he's the oldest on the roster, but he, he looks the youngest, he runs the youngest, he plays the youngest. So I just want to like – tap into uh, like how you've learned about the body, what kind of intrigue, and who knows, maybe when Courtney gets done, he'll come underneath uh, my umbrella and kind of do the strength conditioning stuff for my guys or whatnot. But when I say he really knows, I mean, we, we were sitting here last night, and it was him and a couple of teammates, or three teammates, yeah, three teammates. We were watching another overseas game, and one of his uh, teammates has a foot problem, and he's like, yeah, you know, they told me I needed surgery, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no. You don't need surgery. You just need to work on your toes. I'm like, like this dude really know like a lot of stuff regards that can help an athlete. So, why did you start getting into it? What have you kind of learned from you know your downtime of learning the body? So realistically, I feel like everything that you need to learn is like on the internet now, and that's kind of how I was when I was like a youngster. Basically, I had like no trainer or anything, but they came out with YouTube. So I would just be on YouTube finding like all the drills or whatever pro players, whatever they did, basically I would just watch 
and I would watch so detailed and so many times that I could pretty much try to like emulate whatever was going on. So now pretty much you got Instagram basically, or you have Instagram and I'm just on Instagram all the time. And everybody thinks like, oh yeah, you just on Instagram scrolling and da da da. Like if you look at my Instagram account, I'm not one of those people who, I don't know, like I'm on Instagram so I could get a whole bunch of followers and then I can make it look like I follow one person and be cool. Like I probably follow like 5,000 accounts. It don't really matter who it is. If you got good content and something I can learn from pretty much, I'm following, I'm saving everything. I like to study and see stuff. And I like for my body to feel good. As a kid, I had no flexibility, no mobility, like nothing. And I knew something was wrong with that, but I really couldn't tell exactly like how to fix it or what was going on. And I knew also like I was quick and I could jump, but when I jump, it was painful. So when I got older, I wanted to figure out like how to make that not happen anymore. Like when I'm playing, I don't want to feel pain or limited or something like that and basically i'm just on the ground all day basically in between time looking at stuff saving it sending it to people who have problems or who told me that they pretty much need help with something i'll find it and i'll send it to them same way with myself this year i'm 30 and it's the most flexible i've ever been probably the easiest i've ever jumped and just like the best i felt on the court period after having pretty much a body that was done last year and they thought like I would have to retire. Like I pretty much like, if you want to look for something or find for, find something, yeah, you need um, like obviously go to school, pay attention, get certified, things like that for sure. But if you just really do your research, you can find out a lot. I probably had three to four really good summers in the weight room with like actual trainers. And they will all pretty much tell you like they love working with me because I want to know everything. I'm asking them questions like, why is this better than that? Should I do this? Should I do that? If you work with me, don't just give me this plan, this exercise and go over there and talk to the next person. I need you to tell me everything. I want to know intent. How should my feet stand? How should I hold the bar? Is this the right weight? Is this an explosive list? Should I go slow on the way down? Like it's just details that I really want to know. And that's how I always pretty much been on everything that I get involved in. Yeah. The, the body part of it, I, I learned this a little later, probably later in my college career is it's a skilled game for sure. And like, yeah, sure. You're strong, but you can't shoot or drill or make good decisions. Yes. You need to be skilled for sure, but your body can plateau your skills. You know, sure. Uh, you have a lot of downhill moves, but you can't embrace a bump. You have bad balance. That type of stuff I think is so valuable. Uh, now, regards to Germany, uh, you've, he's been here every year, seven years, lower levels, now working his way up. And, but he watches a lot of the BBL and he watched the Pro A while he was uh, in a lower league, kind of like you know how you would if you're a, um, let's say you're a high school player. Right. You're going to watch Division One basketball. That's your aspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen – uh, the the German basketball changed since you've been here because the BBL now is a top, oh, I don't know, off the top of my head, I'd probably say it's top five, six, seven league in the world. Um, and for the people I talk with in the industry, coaches, players, agencies, the BBL has taken a big jump in the last 15 to 20 years regards to German basketball. They're investing more into it. Um, it's taken more seriously. Um, how have you seen it change? And then kind of the style of the German, the German game where, 
uh, it's it's a little more tactical. It's not so much like the the French first league. It's very up and down. Arguably the most athletic game outside the NBA. Um, whereas Germany seems a little more slower tempo. You still have your athletes, but I feel like it's a little more uh, tactical. So pretty much what I've seen in Germany is um, the local players, like the German players, are becoming more uh, athletic and they're becoming quicker. And that's kind of like something that was different in Europe. Like when we were first coming up, everyone like now is starting to work on like foot speed, getting up and down, they can jump, things like that. But then they still have the IQ and a fundamental part of the game down. When you first start to play basketball in Germany, you play with a size five basketball. We don't even have that in the States. So like right away, you're learning how to shoot with the proper mechanics, like the ball's not too heavy, there's no hitch in your shot, things like that. They're learning like, oh, you go under the screen, directly re-screen. He rolls, you pass it to the backside. Like that's stuff that we don't learn when we're young normally. We learn, I don't know, dead leg, in and out, stunt, dribble, hesitation. Like we learn stuff like that, but they're learning like a grown-up game. If you look at it, they're playing with 24-second shot clock from the time that they're like a kid right away. 24 seconds, they got the regular overseas basketball, like three-point line pretty much. That's stuff that we don't we do not do. We don't get that kind of stuff in the States. So I feel like as far as like the league just advancing and coming up, it's a product of um, putting the kids already in that setting and that light from, uh, let's say, under 10, under 12, ages like that. And then just, I don't know, I think either everybody's seeing like what they want to do in the NBA or America because now a lot more players are like going to the NBA. And they're also getting more like G League and NBA players overseas in Europe. Like I think um, Moose, man, what's his name? Moose? Yeah. Gr- Gr- Greg Monroe? Yeah, Greg Monroe. He right now is playing in uh, for Bayern Munich. And last year they had Derek Williams. And like those are good players. But I just said it to say like NBA players are coming over here and playing directly. I think Isaiah Briscoe's with Ohm. He was with the Magic, I want to say, oh, last year. Yeah, so like you're starting to see players that you can recognize recognize, and you really know start to come over here and obviously that's going to raise the awareness or like kind of like see what's going on with as far as like the NBA and teams like that. And teams are just, like you said, France is like the most athletic league. Pretty much they're up and down. But in Germany they're starting to become more athletic. But the game is different. Like you're playing like – for example, our team, we playing the whole shot clock, 24 seconds. We need the whole thing. They want to run their systems, get the ball to go side to side two or three times. You know, then if you have a mismatch, maybe you go inside to the mismatch and see, like, how you'll play out of that. On other teams, it's run and gun. You might just dribble up the court, play hard, shoot a three, get a drag screen, pull up. Like, and now we're going the other way. But Germany is a physical game, so even if you're trying to go up and down, they'll let you, like, body up a little bit more. You can bump more. You can push off. My first years in Germany, I guarded every down screen by just getting in front of them, not letting them go to the down screen, and basically holding them before they came off the down screen. And then once they got to the top of the key, if they made it, then I had to, like, take my hands off. But basically, as long as I was in front of them, I could hold them with my body, my hips, my my hands a little bit, everything and make them run me over and if they ran me over i would fall and get a charge like you can do pretty much anything you want down around the basket under the rim only thing you can't do is pretty much a foul at half court 
Like that's how physical the game is. Everybody watching all us like college and the NBA and they jumping into people, they getting fouls and they oh hey, yelling and all that don't work here. You gotta finish. Right hand, left hand, all that. If you go into a bad situation with two players, they won't give you a foul. A referee told me it's two players under there. Why did you go in there? It don't matter if they fouled me or not. Like I got hit on the arm, everything. He's like, but why would you go in there with two players? Why you just didn't kick the ball out? I never seen that happen before. <laughs> referee told me that. So, I mean, that's kind of the situation here. Like, you got to really make sure that you, like, playing the game because you're not going to get bailed out. Like, they want to see good, clean basketball. It's funny that the, the referee telling you didn't make a good decision. <laughs> Why are you going in there? You got to kick that out, man. Bad choice. Um, now I want to switch, uh, switch gears here a little bit. Uh, so, Courtney's mentioned his now wife, which is so weird. It used to be just his girl, but now – uh, Ali's uh, Swagmire, his his wife is playing in Australia. Uh, she's been playing professionally six years. Um, so as you can tell, we're in Germany. It's 11.30 a.m. here, uh, which would be, uh, I guess, uh, let me think here, 3.30 a.m. Central Time back home. And then what time is it in Australia right now? It's uh, 6.30. 6.30 p.m. there. So he's seven, or, yeah, seven hours behind her. Mm-hmm. But they've been doing this thing for like six or seven years like this, mm-hmm. how it's just like very – time change, separated, that situation. Uh, can you talk about uh, what it's like to have somebody that, you know, because I think there's listeners that maybe coaches or players that have uh, a relationship where maybe they their spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend played, but probably not very often they both are still playing at the age of 30, 29, 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could just talk about, you know, the, the perks, the pros, the cons, because – uh, last time Courtney and Allie were in St. Louis, I guess that was in maybe June or July. Of course, Courtney calls me. You know, he'll probably call me 12 hours before. Hey, I'm going to be in St. Louis. Uh, can we get a workout in? Um, yeah, sure. You know, and to this day, Courtney, like I said, is the first pro I ever had. He's never paid me a dollar to train. He never will. So it's basically like, hey, can you come spend two hours for free to work me out? And, you know, we're all a little busy, but I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So I come up there. And I, I work him out, and then he wants to play ones afterwards. Uh, me, Allie, and uh, Courtney, uh, and we're playing ones. And I hadn't played ones with with Allie a lot, I guess maybe maybe once before. But dude, she is so competitive, man. And like when Courtney and Allie are playing ones, bro, they are no longer married. Like they are like they like you think it's just like a regular pickup game. Allie be so funny, bro. She be she'll she'll miss a shot that she like and. No joke, like we gotta legitimately guard her. Like you can't like just have your hands down, like kind of let her shoot. No, like you, she gonna get to her spots. She'll miss a shot. She'll be like, oh come on, Allie, like talking to herself, be like so frustrated. But could you just talk about the pros, the cons? You know, being able to be married to someone that's you know has the same aspirations professionally as you do. So first, I'll I'll start with the pros. Um, basically, they understand everything. You have a bad day, bad game, practice, something like that. Right away, I know I can pretty much vent to her and tell her what's going on or how my day was or something like that. And like, even it might, like, for example, for her today, she had a like rough day at practice and things like that. It's not the day for us to just talk about any and everything. She needs time. She needs some time to herself, to relax, to unwind, you know? Even though you're married, that doesn't mean a bad practice or bad game won't get you, you know? Sometimes you need like a little bit of time to yourself to just cool out. And 
basically like that's kind of like one of the best things and best situations or whenever like we both get a chance to see each other play like that's kind of like a surreal feeling because we're always apart for so long but I'm still like basically a cheerleader on the sideline and it's the same for her even though you're a player like everything else just leaves and you kind of just become a fan that's one of like the best things that um I think uh, you can like enjoy when you like you both play basketball pretty much, and that's like one of the biggest pros. But the cons, at times, I don't know if the cons uh, or the pros really outweigh the cons as far as both of us playing. To be honest, because we're apart from each other for a long time, and like you said, like right now I'm doing a podcast, but realistically. Allie kind of wants to talk to me right now. You know what I'm saying? Because it's getting later in her day. Like, it's close to the time when she goes to sleep. And I kind of told her, like, I need time. Obviously, she's understanding. She gets it. But that's kind of like the situation. You have to plan out your days to the point where you can find your window of opportunity to talk with each other for that day. If I don't talk to her, let's say, in the next mm, two, three hours, we don't get to talk for the day. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a rough time and kind of like rough relationship basically at times because you don't get to speak or see each other like you would want to especially being married now what I told her pretty much is like when we're apart we have to focus and be locked in so like bad games hurt us a little bit more than other people because we feel like we let the uh, like our partner down basically if I have a great year this year and she has a great year now it will make sense we can get pay and both make a nice amount of money and kind of control the narrative as far as like where we'll play next year. This is pretty much the last time that I'll play in Germany and she'll play in Australia. Like that's over with. So like we're playing pretty much in the same country or borderline countries or something like that where on an off day we could just go to the other person's house or even stay in the same house and just drive to practice, things like that. So like when you get to this age kind of it normally you'll never see people get to about like 30 and still be playing let's say at a high level and like kind of like not be together normally maybe one or two people but normally it don't work like that so when we get our summers it's tough too because we're never home so our family wants to see us so much but it's our three to four months that we actually get to see each other so a lot of time we kind of just spend to ourselves and we kind of miss out on seeing a lot of people over the years but as far as Steph I call him every time, and really, he think I'm calling him to work me out. I'm calling him just to chill, but we don't know nothing else but working out. So that's what like it comes down to. But I'm like, yo, like I'm gonna be in St. Louis, like blah blah blah, and he like, oh, okay, cool. He come up there. He like, you got a gym? I don't even ask for it. He like, you got a gym? Yeah, obviously I want to work out, but like that's how we chill pretty much. We just get in the gym. So every time I'm in St. Louis. I'm not gonna lie, he pretty much then came every single time I came down there. Even if he couldn't work me out, he'll come down there. I might not have a car or nothing. He'll pick me up, take me to the gym, take me back. It don't matter. Like, you you, you 100 for that. Yeah, it's, uh, you talk about you guys not wanting to be separated anymore. Uh, Allie has a residency in Australia now, so she's considered an Aussie, so who knows? Uh, Courtney, they might end up living in Australia or something in regards to. Uh, Long way from the house. It's a long way from the house for sure. Um, I want to end with this. Uh, just since you went through a different route and building your career, if you could go back and maybe your high school senior, maybe your sophomore in college, early in your career, and you say, I want to be a pro, 
you know you're most likely not going to be an NBA pro or a G League pro. You're going to be an overseas player, and you have to create your career there. What advice would you give to kids there? And then uh, regards to how to get your first contract, uh, things that you see that you think are necessity. Um, and like I said before, how you reverse engineer your uh, your decisions maybe from your senior year of high school all the way through college, maybe your college decision, um, how you would make those decisions based on you do want to be a pro. So I'm basically um, a journeyman and a worker. I feel like like my work ethic is what really gets me like basically where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And every year in college, they brought in like new point guards who were really good, but I would outwork them and play harder than them, and they could never, like, start over me. So my biggest thing, like, for the kids right now that's maybe in high school that's trying to figure out what to do or where to go, if you're that type of person that will outwork somebody and always make sure that you get on the court, you have to go somewhere that, like, values your your game, your skill set. I went to a slow-down college. We just walk the ball up. We get the ball inside, things like that. That's not really, uh, wasn't really the situation for me. Obviously, while I was pretty much stuck at home for like a whole year after my college career. But even going Division Two, if you go somewhere they really value, you're a shooter, they run nothing but pin downs and staggers and things like that for you to get a shot, you still can get overseas. Obviously, you need to kill. You need to be one of the top players in the conference, in the region, things like that. But as far as like really making it happen um, on that level, you got to make sure that you go somewhere where they'll allow you to uh, have, like, the ultra green light. If not, let's say, like, I went to Quincy, but that was a Division One school, and I kind of, like, underachieved, played okay, that would have been all right. So if I was a high school player, I would look at more, like, my situation and what schools I have going. Hindsight perspective, I would have probably went to junior college and tried to uh, see what all schools that I could get as far as um, that would, like, really – more tailored to my game, whether it be a Division One school or just fast-paced Division Two schools, pretty much, where they let the guards really get up and down and create so, like, teams could kind of see what I want to do because I knew I wanted to go overseas right away. Um, I think I think uh, if you go to, like, Division Two route, I would say, like I said, you need to be, like, the best player. If you go to Division One, you can't come off the bench. You can be a player that's like okay but you have to have like good character and good attitude like now i'm in europe and i'm in germany and uh we're learning like schemes and let's say cross screen down screen for the big man and the shooter and you got an x out on the back side like i learned all that stuff in college so even like everything pretty much matters it'll all come back full circle like even though i went somewhere where i thought wasn't the best fit for me it taught me basketball. It taught me, it made me knowledgeable about the game. I know fundamentals. I know like stuff that the next player who's been getting buckets basically their whole college career, they don't know. So like, even if you might be in the wrong situation right now, or if you go to the wrong school, if you stay with it and kind of like really take it seriously, it, there's always something that you can pick up from uh, whatever aspect or situation that you're in. Well, uh, it's right back to the cerebral part. You know, like you're a big, long athlete, but at some point you're going to get screened, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you, uh, you're you a long athlete, you have good rim protection, but you're the low tag man. Yeah. So you got to X out the weak side when they skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, telling back to Courtney, 
uh, Courtney lived with me for three months the first summer we started working. Um, my my mom at the time, that's who I was living with, and basically just was like, I didn't really even formally really ask her, like, uh, Courtney's going to live with us. And we just worked out two or three times a day, eating meals mom was whipping for us and just like just for three months straight um and you know this thing is bigger than hoops you know like i even got a call this past week from uh julian wright who played at kansas played the hornets i trained him for three or four years and now he's basically retired i mean he could go overseas if he wants but um he plays in the big three which he gets a nice check from the big three his wife plays in the state. I mean, has, has her PhD in the state, so now she's able to work. She couldn't do it overseas, and now he's just kind of doing his own thing in Charlotte. But he's starting to do skills training now. So now he's calling me every month, picking my brain, which all comes full circle. And then on the flip side, you know, I was in Courtney's wedding. When was that? That was uh, – what month was that? In July. I was in his wedding. Um, and, you know – we met each other when I was 22, 23. He was 24. Like, that wasn't a uh, met each other when we was 10, 12 years old. And I, like, that was just later in life. You know, I think that the friend thing, for the most part, you have your staples, right, to who you grew up with. But you never know when someone comes along that uh, can be impactful. But, um, Courtney, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for having me. If you guys will like, subscribe, comment, give us all the feedback, good, bad, doesn't matter. Um, this was a fun one, uh, back to the, back to the trenches, uh, and Courtney trained with me. He had to leave, uh, St. Louis and come and live in the sticks is what, uh, we would call it a smaller, he said he wouldn't trade it. He wouldn't trade it, but, uh, I wish you guys would, uh, get on there and comment, subscribe, and hopefully I don't miss this flight at, uh, 2 PM to Budapest, but we'll see you next time. Thanks. (laughs)